hello and welcome to Doing the Work with Jay and Becca. Today we are continuing our Jay and Becca book series with the four agreements. We are headed into the third agreement, which I think, you know, we say this about each one, but you reread them and immediately you're like, yep, this is the most important one. <laughs> like, <laughs> all of them are the most important one. <laughs> but it's funny when you reread them, you're like, yeah, yeah. So yeah, don't make assumptions is today's topic. Did you grow up with um, people telling you your whole life that making assumptions makes an ass out of you and me? Yep. Mm-hmm. Don't assume <laughs> it makes an ass out of you and me. And I always ass was like, out of you and me. I was like, wow. Which nobody ever really understood what they were saying because people are constantly making assumptions. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. We, those blatant assumptions can get called out on, but I mean, we're making assumptions all day, every day, constantly. It's like just part of the reality of our world, but... At the same time, when you start to catch yourself doing it, it is also like, oh, damn. Yeah. I should just ask that person that question. (laughs) You know, like, I shouldn't just assume that that was, I mean, even the littlest things we assume and then that sticks with us in some way. I mean, it could be something stupid, like, I didn't, I, you know, like, at the quick shop I'm getting my pop and the person doesn't say hi to me when I walk up and it's like oh well they're rude you know yeah it's just an assumption yeah but that sticks with me so the next time I go in there and see that same person working I'm like oh great it's the rude person and there could be super nice to me that day and I'm like well they're still a rude person (laughs) you know like whatever (laughs) it is like you just create these worlds Right. Well, what I love about this, you know, this uh, this agreement and the and the reading of it is it gets us so back into the idea of back into my work, into our work, mm-hmm. and the knowledge of human beings and how much we like to be right. <laughs> right. Because yep. the very first sentence, one of the very first sentences, the problem with making assumptions is that we believe we believe they are the truth. Yep. We believe our assumptions are the truth, and then we we will go to battle for them. Like mm-hmm. we'll go. You know, we're going to fight because I'm right that yep. you're doing that just to piss me off. Mm-hmm. Right. Or I'm right that you're doing that just to be mean or, you know, exactly. well, I, I can't tell you the, the 12 years of coaching people, how many times I have said to someone, you know, I'm pretty sure that your mom <laughs> didn't wake up this morning and think I'm going to just go make my daughter's life miserable. <laughs> yes, my I'm going to go just fuck with her and fuck with her and fuck with her and exactly i I cannot tell you how many times i have told a client you that person is not doing that just to piss you or just to hurt you and it's not it's an unconscious we're all unconscious human beings are unconscious Mm -hmm. they're acting unconscious and then we decide that that unconscious act is really pointed at us Mm -hmm. because it's all about us exactly so fast center of the universe or making the assumption also like once you've had an experience with somebody, just, I think, making the assumption that um, there's something behind it other than what they're saying. I, that's what I think I find myself yeah. doing the most. And I believe uh, it. Yeah. Like, I believe yeah. it. Like, somebody could say, oh, have a nice day. Because it's the truth. And yeah. I mean, I, 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 that's another thing. Like, I, you can't even argue with people that, you know, like, I just don't have those conversations. I'm just like, oh, I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to talk you down out of that tree because it's clearly... I mean, they will argue for it. Oh, yeah. You know I mean, like, they will fight you that, that that person is doing this. You know, that they will, whatever they said, they really, what they really meant was this. Exactly. They might have said, 
wow, Becca, it's great to see you. But what they really meant was, you're a piece of shit. And I can't <laughs> believe you're in my Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're an embarrassment to humanity. Oh, okay, great. Thanks. But... All right, so... On the, what, what? What I was going to say, on the other side of that, too, is, you know, when you get caught up in it, and this is one of the things that I was, you know, going, ah, oh, you know, God, it's the, you know, it's the emotional poison emotional poison are the words that he uses then we blame them and react by sending emotional poison with our word and i'm like amen it is it's emotional well, poison yeah well in the point because in the beginning remember in the book he talks about your word when you poison people with your words mm-hmm. and so Basically, what he's saying is you make an assumption, and then you start gossiping about the assumption. You start speaking the assumption yep. as though it's the truth. Yep. And that's the poison. Yeah. Right? So we – I love when he says all – now, because I really want all of us to think about this, right? This is a bold statement. Mm-hmm. All the sadness and drama you have lived in your whole life was rooted in making assumptions and taking things personally. Yep. Wow. All the sadness. All the sadness, all the drama. Yeah. (laughs) That is a bold statement. That is a bold statement. (laughs) There's a whole lot of me that's going, "Uh, well, Uh Uh some of it. (laughs) Yeah, it makes you want to fight against it. There are some people who are just jerks, (coughs) and it's their fault. No, (laughs) you know, like, it's hard to... Oh, and there all are some jerks, but if you didn't take them personally, you wouldn't have mm-hmm. their jerkiness mean anything, you know. Exactly. I mean, yep. think about you, right? Yep, so true. Yeah. It's both yeah. parts of it. So that's, yeah, 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 yeah. And then, you know, I love that he goes on to say that uh, the emotional poison is because we start gossiping about it, and gossiping is the way we communicate with that during the dream of hell. Um, but asking for, then the, the key of asking for clarification. Yes, yeah. It's always better to ask questions than to make an assumption. Oh, yeah. it says something. And do you go back and say, okay, so what I heard you, because we don't actually say, again, if somebody said, have a nice day, Becca, you don't go back to that person and say, you know what I heard you say was, go to hell, Becca. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Nope. And there, I mean, and if we did, they would be like shocked, I think, by the majority of the things that we assume is happening in the situation. I think most people yeah. would be like, I, uh, no, I'm so sorry. You know, every time that I have asked the question, usually the response is, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry if it came across that way. I've just been having a bad day. And, you know, or, you know, they have their own story of what's going on in their life that yeah. made that come across in whatever way it happened. Or they're also still in assumption mode from a previous um, interaction that we had. So if I had a disagreement with that person two months ago, when they meet me, they're also in their own assumption phase of what I'm feeling. And so they might say, it's nice to see you, but they're assuming that I'm thinking, oh my God, I can't believe that this person's in front of my face too. You know, so it's, it's so crazy that we put ourselves in this place without, instead of just being like, what's what's the truth of the situation what's what what is it well and i would assert that it goes deeper than that i do know you know as i'm learning more about neuroscience that there is actually a part of the brain that holds bias right so that we Mm -hmm. and there and there's that piece of us that has 
Um, it is a muscle to flex. Abraham talks it, uh, says something like, let them be new, right? Mm. Like, allow people to be new for you because we don't do that. We listen to people like we have always known them. Ah. And so part of our makeup, I believe, is that we have, like, part of the human condition is we don't listen to people like they're new every time we see them. We listen to them from everything we've known about them up until that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or so, you know, what we've been told about them. Right. Exactly. Which is, you know, the, some of the, he talks about that in the, mm-hmm. uh, in the beginning where like right. you've, you've got a class with a teacher and so you've been told this teacher's bad or negative. So that's the listening you have for that person. That's right. the way you listen to them as they are that. And so you make that assumption. It's not like as human beings, it's not like on purpose we aren't asking questions or on purpose we're making these assumptions, but there is, even in our brains, you know, there's this unconscious bias that we have that we just, it's impossible for us to listen to people newly. Like it's impossible to, it, it, it just, it's not even there. It's not even, we don't have access to it. You know what I mean? It's, it's not in the files. <laughs> you know? In the brain, you're fi- you have a filing system and your filing system goes, Becca Booth, oh, we know how she is, right? And then, boom, that's it. And it's almost like, you know, the visual cortex can't, can't see things it doesn't it doesn't it can't interpret things it doesn't know you know so even if you see something literally see something that you don't know what that is your brain will go to work to try to try to put a name to it try to figure it out well it's not much different with human beings we have a we have a we think that we know them we think we know how they are even everything down to you know how we racially profile people or we you know, we've had a bad experience with a guy with a red beard, so every guy with a red beard is going to be like, you know, like, we don't mean to have that bias. We don't mean to have that bias. It's not like we are consciously thinking, I'm afraid of men with red beards, or, you know. I had a situation in the past year where somebody said to me something about the fact that I'm triggered by old white men. And I was like, I am? Like, I am. I'm totally triggered by old white men. My molester was an old white man. You know what I mean? Like, I am triggered by old white men. Like, guys with gray hair who are older and especially big, tall guys, so they intimidate me, right? So, but I didn't even have, I didn't, I don't think I was even, I mean, once, I, once she said it, then I was like, oh, you're right. But I didn't get that. I was carrying that unconscious bias. I didn't get that I had that. And so, you know, I don't think until we could get in and dissect our brains and know exactly everything in there that we know all the things we're responding to, which is why it's so powerful to have a practice of checking in with ourselves. How is this making me feel? What's going on? And being willing to get curious and ask questions rather than make a, making the assumptions. So I guess that is what the question is then, is we have these unconscious bias. Um, you know, we, we deal with them every day. We've got our filofax type of thing in our brain where that's what we're responding to. So... If somebody wouldn't have pointed that out to you, would you, how, how do we figure out what some of those things are? Is there, is it just that feeling that you get, you know, like there are certain times when I get a, a, a feeling like I'm this, I'm just, you know, you're in that space and you're like, I'm not dealing in reality here. Like I'm dealing in, right. you know, and that's, that's taken years of doing this work to get to that place where I can have this certain mm-hmm. feeling where it kind of like, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a little triggered here. What, what is causing it? And I can start to do that, 
sort of backtracking. But even then, sometimes I'm like, I have no idea, you know, why yeah. I'm feeling this way. So what do we do? I think the the first thing is to pay attention to your emotional guidance system. Mm. Like, there's something going on. You can feel it emotion. If you're present to yourself, then you can usually feel that there's something going on. There's some kind of emotional deregulation or, you know, even I start to sweat or, I, you know, my body responds in some way. Mm-hmm. And the body only responds to what the mind is doing. Right. So even if we're unconscious to the mind, we can at least know, oh, something's going on because my body's responding. My, I'm, I'm, I'm breaking out in a sweat or I'm, my stomach just flipped over or, you know, I just my face flushed or I feel like I want to walk away from that person, <laughs> get right. as far away from that person as possible. Right. right. If you have a feeling you want to get as far away from somebody as possible, you probably not. I mean, you know, there's there is such a thing as picking up on a vibe of somebody. But I mean, for the most part, it's probably your past. It has nothing to do with what's going on right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> I don't meet very many humans that what's happening in their minds has anything to do with what's happening in this moment. Right. 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 It's usually about the past or something. They're dragging their past into their future. They're responding from their past. Something's going on like that. So I think the muscle and the practice is to be tuned in enough with yourself to know when that's going on. Most of us, that's not going to happen. I mean, I would assert that most of us have the response and then figure it out later. Right. Right. Like it takes some time to like, but you, that what also means that, that you have to return to that response. You don't get to just be like, oh, that I had that response and walk right. away from it. You have to go back and like dig in and do that internal work in order to say, yeah, like, I don't want to feel that way about that person or about these types of people in general. So what can I do right. to figure that out? <laughs> And where right. that's coming from. Um, yeah. And sometimes but I, I also find... think it's a matter. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I just say sometimes I find that it's really something simple. You know, it is really something just very basic and simple that I'm like, I don't like girls named Melissa, you know, because I had a really shitty yeah. experience with a girl named Melissa one time. And so it's like, ugh, I hear that name in my brain immediately is like, Bleh. you know, I don't like, you know. And so that's an assumption I'm making that's silly. Not all Melissas are bad, <laughs> you know? I'm just making right. up that name, by right. the way. So if your name is Melissa, I apologize. I'm not saying that all yeah. Melissas are bad. <laughs> <laughs> but what I want to make sure to point out, because I think sometimes take, especially, I mean, I know this because I've experienced it enough, that people take what I, what I say as gospel sometimes, and I want to be very conscious to say that some things are worth an exploration because they're in your way, mm-hmm. and some things are just... You know, like, yes, I'm triggered by old white men. I got it. Oh, you're right. I am. My molester was an old white man. Mm -hmm. I got that. I'm triggered by them. Mm -hmm. I know that now. Now, am I going to go still? Do I really want to go hang out with a whole circle of old white men? (laughs) Fuck no. No. Why would I do that? You know, like that's, Mm -mm. I just, I think sometimes we get into this world. It's like, because you're triggered by that, you should go challenge yourself and get up in a hurdle. hurdle. Fuck Mm -mm. that. Like, why is your, why? What is your, what is the point? Exactly. (laughs) I want to make sure we're not using up energy in a, I don't want to say stupid, in a way that doesn't serve us or in a way that is just coming from ego where we're just going to conquer something or beat it to death or 
you know, make sure we overcome it or, you know, it's just, uh, I just want to make sure everybody's using their energy mm-hmm. in a way that has them be powerful and to get things complete for themselves because it's in their way, not because there's some world of, I should have everything figured out and I should go look up under every trigger I have, you know? Right. Right. I just mm-hmm. want to be conscious of that because I've had people tell me like, God, oh, do you really want me to go on it? No, I don't want you to go on some, you know, bear hunt just because you got triggered once like you yeah, don't need to do exactly that. <laughs> it's not worth your time no you know, to, go, nope. to go put yourself in a dangerous or scary situation just because you're trying to overcome your past yeah i think it's important to acknowledge it and to go okay cool that happened and i get it and maybe educating old white men isn't for me right maybe it's not my job yeah, no. maybe that's somebody else's job and i could just be kind to myself that you know, I got molested by an old white man when I was a little girl. I don't really want to hang out with old white men. It's totally fine with me. And we're okay with that. Totally okay for me. Just set that boundary. And hang out with a bunch of old white men and just get myself triggered constantly. Yeah. No. Not a good day. Not a good idea. <laughs> Not, Not something just... that I want to throw myself into. Well, you know, and then Not I think that, you know, as we go on through this, again, there's this <laughs> next part of it where he starts to talk about, um, you know, the assumptions in relationships. Um, and I think that that is a big part of this chapter. So I just want to, you know, make sure that we hit on this, this, you know, the, 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 it's also like the length of how this can play out. So the example that he gives is a relationship of a man and a woman and you meet them and you, you started from the beginning of, this sort of fantasy assumption of what was going, what that relationship was. And then they go on to get married and then they go and they're having all these issues and they're having, because all of it was based on this wrong assumption at the beginning. And you can take this assumption for years and years and years and years and years that can affect a relationship. And I think that that's where sometimes our toxic relationships come from. Um, An outsider looking in can go, that's a toxic relationship. But when you're in it, you've made all these assumptions about that person. And, you know, you've created this picture, you know, you've created that, you know, file of facts in your brain of who that person is. And so it's really difficult for you to see that that's not what the reality is. And so all of those assumptions build. Going back to brain science, that it's so important. And God, if I could give anybody advice, Please date somebody for over two years before you marry them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Please. Because that dopamine from infatuation, which is which stirs up dopamine, dopamine is that, that drug that just is like a as a pathway to feeling good, right? Right. And that's why human beings do what they do because it feels good and we want to feed that dopamine train. And when you're infatuated with somebody, your brain is filled with that shit for like it can last up to two years. Yeah. And so I really tell people, I don't, it scares the crap out of me for you to marry somebody you've just been dating for nine months because you are, you're stoned. You don't know what they're like. (laughs) You are, you are stoned. Mm -hmm. You are on dopamine and you do not know what that person is like. And until you come down off that drug, you will not know the reality of what it's like to live with that person day in, day out. Nope. Nope. And so I think it's so important that we also, along with not making assumptions, understand our chemistry and understand that there is just a chemical release 
that when we fall in love or when we start to be infatuated with somebody that kicks in and it lasts a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And we have to be conscious of the fact that that is going on. I mean, I can't even tell you the number of people I know who have married the same guy to pants because they got out of a bad relationship and it was a horrible relationship. And three months later, they met the love of their life. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, but if you've been in a crappy ass relationship Three months later, you're not ready. Nope. I don't nope. give a blank who you are. I, yeah. <laughs> you've been in a crappy relationship. Three months later, who are you going to attract? Same guy, Same guy different, different pants. pants. Same guy. Same guy, different, different pants. pants. Yep. Mm-hmm. Same girl, same woman, different pants. I mean, I don't, I, you're just going to be with the same person. Yeah. So you've got to, you know, if you've been in a crappy relationship, I always tell people you're not allowed to date anybody for a year. Like, mm-hmm. don't. Just go to therapy (laughs) and coaching and personal development and love yourself and take yourself on at every level Mm -hmm. and be so great with yourself that you don't need anybody else. And then find a good friend and then fall in love with them. I mean, you know, it's just like I just get so I've just seen it happen so many times. Oh, yeah. I mean. It, well, it's, it's funny nauseating. to me how many people have said to me, like, I'll, you know, let me know when you're ready to start dating. I've got somebody that I, and I'm like, um, it's going to be a while. <laughs> like, do you just say to them, I, I mean, I swear to God, it would be hard for me not to say, what is wrong with you? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> because Are that's going to solve anything? No. How long were you? Uh, well, I married for, well, God, eight we were together for 18 years, so, yeah, I'm going to suddenly, like, go, oh, a new dude. Yay. No. My okay. rule of thumb, my rule of thumb is one month for every year you were married. That makes, I think that makes sense. Yep. So. Yeah. I'm just like, so everybody months, out there who's listening who are telling 18 me months. <laughs> with love in their heart that they've got a friend that they want to give me And that's months. after. <laughs> 18 months, months after the divorce is final. We'll talk about it. Exactly. It's not right. even final yet. I mean, no, it's not even the inks. I haven't even worked everything out yet. No, exactly. Yeah, I just, I think it's so insane. funny. That is insane. One of the things I want to point to in here is that something that I, that I think that we don't talk about, especially in uh, powerful among powerful women conversations is this idea where is it? I highlighted it. I want to, we make assumptions about ourselves. Chris, I think I'm able to do this. My love will change this person. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay, so yes. I can I change him. People. I, have, I have, I have, I have coached who literally even the day they got married thought, God, I don't really want, I'm not sure I really want to do this, but I'm sure he'll change. He'll change. Yeah, I, he'll I love him okay. enough. He'll, you know, he'll come around. He'll change. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Even that see, that's what I think that I've recognized too is even if they change on the outside, the inside is still there. Like the core of who they are is still there. So you can like dress up somebody and like, you know, have this pretend version of that, what that is. But the reality of the situation is the person, you know, you've got to, be in love with the person as they are, not as you want them to be. And then you can't blame them for being who they are either. You know, like you can't say, oh, well, 
you're such a jerk and I can't believe you've done this when they've shown you who they are from the very beginning of your relationship. Like, okay. Right. I just pretended yeah. that wasn't yeah. real. And I, I do think that people can transform things. I mean, oh, I have sure. worked with couples who I know they have both transformed. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to say that like men can't change or people can't change or that there aren't people that you get in a relationship with and then, then they do it. I mean, if Jessica and I had had been the people we were when we first got together, we would not still be together. I right. guarantee it. Mm-hmm. Like it's just inevitable. I had a, about a three year run for every woman I ever dated. And after about three years, we were in our own dysfunction and mm-hmm. at each other, right? Right, right? And that same pattern would have happened had Jessica and I not started doing transformational work. Now, the difference is both of us, right? both of us have always been willing to transform anything in the way mm-hmm. of us being powerful, of us loving one another, as of holding each other in with respect. You know, I mean, all those things. We both have been 100% in. Yep. And that's the thing is it's like we've seen people transform things, but for the most part, and especially if from the beginning, I mean, you see those red flags from the beginning for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had women have Denny-sized red flags. Oh, God. And I'm like, yes. smokes, come on. Yep. We're seeing a Denny-sized red flag here. Could you please pay attention? But they're so full of dopamine that they're like, oh, aren't they cute? Bah, 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 bah. Yep. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, so or they get into the think, the, the circle of, <clears throat> okay, everybody loves us together. They like my family. My family likes them. You know, I, I've, we've already made reservations for the, uh, you know, the cake or, or you know, whatever it might be. And it's like, you can't feel. Can't until after Christmas because I already have reservations for, or, or I can't work. I've already invited them on my vacation with my mm-hmm. family. I can't, I'm like. Oh my God. Like, okay, yeah. so and here, then we get into making assumptions about ourselves, right? Because right, this is right. the thing um, that I think is so important for us to underscore here is you overestimate or underestimate yourself because you haven't taken the time to ask yourself questions and answer them. Oh, yep. Yeah. Yep. Let me read it again. Yeah, read it again. Overestimate. <laughs> you overestimate or underestimate yourself. Because you haven't taken the time to ask yourself questions and answer them. Mm-hmm. Perhaps you need to gather more facts about a particular situation, or maybe you need to stop lying to yourself about what you truly want. Which that's you know kind of a bold, bold statement. But what I, what what's important to me is how much we underestimate ourselves. Mm-hmm. Because again, we can't listen to ourselves as new. Yeah. Nope. Nope. So part of my job as a coach is to when I'm working with a client is to say. You know, they may, they might go, I just happened with me with a friend of mine literally two days ago, right? Mm-hmm. Where we're having a conversation, they're having a hard time, and it just feels, when you're having a hard time and you're in the middle of it, it feels like this is how it is all the time. Yeah. Yep. yep. And so part of my job as a coach is to go, hey, listen, you know, I know mm-hmm. it hurts right now, but remember two years ago or a year ago when we first started working together? If this had happened then, you would have been a wreck. Yes. Amen. Would have been a, would have been mm-hmm. able to function. Mm-hmm. Right? I've got clients that now, two years later, after flexing their muscle, working with me and not making assumptions and not taking things personally, and really questioning what am I responding to, they are way more powerful and able to manage themselves so much more powerfully than they go. But when you're in the heat of that, you don't feel that. Mm-mm. You don't remember your own strength, your own process. Right. And so I think that what we do is we. We come from the past so much 
that we underestimate and overestimate our abilities based on what we've been able to do in the past. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, so true, so true. Well, and you think about it too, where you know I can equate this to like weight gain and loss, and I've talked to so many women about the same thing, where. I the the picture in my head whether when I was really super heavy or what I am now you know the picture in my head of what I look like is neither of those things so I can I can stand in front of a mirror and see reality but I don't see in my mind when I p close my eyes and picture myself that's not what I look like because I have what, for whatever reason, that moment in time that I, I do picture is what sort of is locked in of what is me. And so then I start to, again, overestimate and underestimate. So like it's like this idea of I go in and I still pick out, you know, a pair of pants that's five sizes too big for me because that's what size I wear. You know, if you think right. about it as basic as that, and then, you know, we put that into our emotional journey of our lives and like the picture of who you are in your head. And if you don't ask the questions, who I am now, today, you know, March 9th, 2018, is not the person I close my eyes and picture is not somebody I was three years ago. But it's really easy to right. keep that picture as what your reality is when you're in the sure. middle of, of, of crap. And then somebody says to me, yeah. Becca, look at all these things that are going on in your life. Three years ago, four years ago, you would have been a basket case. You know, you would right. have you would have been hiding in your closet, and like, right. that's not who Sucking you are. Sucking your thumb. Yeah, it's hard yeah. for me to. It's it's really difficult sometimes for me to close my eyes and picture who I am now. But it, and it's because I'm not asking those questions. I'm not asking the question, who am I now? What can I handle now? What is different? You know, that kind of thought process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think that's of all this thing, this whole, you know, the whole agreement is powerful and not making assumptions about people. But I assert that the piece that's the most important is not making assumptions about ourselves mm -hmm. and what we can and cannot handle, what we can and cannot do and what we can and can accomplish and all of those things. I just feel like, I mean, you know, that's it. That's everything. How many times in a, in a day do you think, Oh, I want to do that, but then of course, remember, you know, ego's nine one one responder right on the scene. But you can't do that because mm -hmm. dot dot dot. Yep, yep. Yeah. So and then you've got that the like next... such as a. I mean, you're the one who I feel like it's where we talk about like the prior in your pocket. We have this joke of having something <laughs> where you know Jay tells you things when you're feeling. You just press a button and it like gives you the right little Jayism. Yeah, we got to work on that app. Yes, we need one for sure. But the but that's you know you're the person for me that is, is a constant reminder of you'll say Becca, you know, and sometimes and even now it's like you can just like give me a look and I'm like oh yeah okay yeah you're right okay I'm gonna shut up now, <laughs> you know like that's not true, <laughs> you know find that person in your life who's willing to say that's not reality or you know let's what why are you what what is why are you making those assumptions about yourself or where is this coming from um, we got everybody needs to have that type of person in their life who can do that for them yeah i agree i agree which is why i think coaching is important a coach often serves that mm -hmm. serves that role oh, yeah. 
I keep track, and you know, I don't even. I'm, I'm somebody who, fortunately, I have a pretty uh, photographic memory, especially around hum- uh, my interactions with other intimate reactions. Like I can meet you five thousand times and never remember your name. I apologize about that, but if you're my client and we have been working together, I remember specifically. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. um, I can point to Creepily. specific incidences where I have coached you down out of a tree or where I knew where you were two years ago. So I, I'm really good at marking that for my clients and be able to say, hey, let's not let's remember how far we come. Mm-hmm. It's so important to mark that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So on the next page, I, uh, when he t- he goes on to talk about. How you didn't, so, hold on, I want to go back. So then something happens between the two. Oh, yeah, suddenly you see what you didn't want to see before. We're talking about relationships, and now it's amplified by your emotional poison. So we have to justify your emotional pain pain, and blame them for your choices. (laughs) I love this. We don't need to justify love. It's there. It's not. Real love is accepting other people the way they are without trying to change them. When we try to change them, this means we don't really like them. They really want to. I really want to. (laughs) (laughs) So fascinating to me because I've literally had people like just the same complaint. This is the same uh, in landmark. They call it a racket, right? In landmark, they call it a racket where it's like I believe their definition of it is um, a persistent complaint followed by a fixed way of being. Mm. So somebody has so it's persistent. Like every time it's it constantly comes up that. He doesn't follow through with Blex YZ, right? Right. So after a client has said that to me like the hundredth time, and then every single time that that, that happens, they have a particular way that they be about that. Like they get they be angry or they be sullen or they be sad or they be a particular way. Well, in relationships, this is called this is what I always call the dance. Right. Right. He takes his step, you be this way, then he responds this way, then you be this way, mm-hmm. you know. And that's when I think sometimes when you've been dancing the same dance for so long that it, it sometimes the relationship has to end because you can't, for some reason, you can't find a new step. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Right. You're just caught up in the same dance. It's no, nobody's fault. It's not like it's his fault or your fault or her fault or their fault. It's just, it just we is. have been doing the same dance for so long. Mm-hmm that the dance moves are ingrained in me and I cannot take another step. I can't take a different step. Yeah. Okay. This is exactly what I'm talking about. And what I has, uh, has been constantly frustrating for me is this idea about why would, if you really don't like that person, like you don't, (laughs) why do you want to, why would you continue to have this complaint and not move on beyond it? Right. Like, why would you continue to, after a while, it's like, this is just, like, you got to go on. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not, it's not good. Oh, yeah. And so, why would you want to be someone if, and this is the other thing, too, or the other side is, you feel like they don't want to be with you. Like, they're, the the story is, they act like they don't like you, or they're mean to you, or they don't, you know, and then it's like, well, why would you want to be with them, then? Right. Exactly. Like, what so, is it? this mm-hmm. whole paragraph comes down to the one phrase that I use in all relationships, all business relationships, all business culture, all all of it. When I go into a company, one of the things I say to the CEO when I go into a company is, look, here's the deal. I'm going to come in here and I'm going to create a culture based on giving up gossip and complaining and making requests. We're going to create a culture where it's not okay just to sit and be negative. 
right? We're going to create a culture where if you have a complaint, then you must have a request. So therefore, you make the request and we're going to do whatever we can to move forward in a powerful, positive way. Yeah. And I guarantee you, you have some people who are absolutely not interested in that and they're going to quit. Yep. Yep. Here's or what, you're going to have to, or you're going to have to fire them, you know? Right. Most, yeah, they'll find a way out. You're going to have yeah. to get, get, they're going to go they're because go. The, you create a culture of positivity. Then the people who are ensconced in negativity don't want to be there. Right. They need to leave. So they will. So I say that to every CEO I work with that I go into their company, I'm going to tell you flat out, you're going to lose some people. Mm -hmm. And some of these might be people that you think you need. And so here's what I say to them, and I say this in relationships, and I say it in business. What's good for one is good, good for, for all. all. Yep. What's good for one is good for because all. Because if somebody needs to leave, if somebody leaves, that's good for you. Right? Yep. If it's good for them to leave, it's good for the business. Because why would you want somebody to work for you that doesn't want to be there? Yes. Amen. It's the same principle. Yeah. Why would you want to be in a relationship with somebody? Why would you want to be with someone if they don't want to be with you? Yeah. Yeah. But in business, the why would you want somebody you. working yeah. for you that doesn't want to be there? Yep. yep. Do we want to employ people who are dragging their ass to work and hating hating life every minute? <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely Does that not. that make any sense at all? Because what kind of level yeah. of work are they doing? And what kind of yeah. poison? I mean, <laughs> right. they're, and they're poisoning but the well. But can I tell you how many conversations I've had with CEOs mm -hmm. that will not let somebody go who is doing subpar work? Yep. Over and over and over and over and over again because they're slow to fire. Yep. This is why I say slow to hire, quick to fire. Right. As soon as somebody sh indicates that they're not vibing with the team, get them out. Get them out. Before <laughs> like, they can poison they the well. Yep. Like yep. Swear oh, yeah. They will spread throughout your organization and poison the water, right? They're poisoning the water cooler. Yep. So as soon as I know somebody's not jiving with my work when I'm in a company, I start encouraging the CEO to get them out. Yes. Fire them. I don't care what you've got to do. Get them out because we have just started to sweeten this pot and you got a piece of poison over there is trying to ruin it. Yep. And they will be able to do it quickly. I mean, I think that that's the other part about it is because you are changing the culture, that's harder to do than just maintain the status quo. So if that person is the poison is the status quo, they can be in people's ears and it's much easier for those people to just not do the change, you know, not be change because it's than it is to really dig in deep and do this work. You know, it's easier to yeah, just, just there. look at it and be like, I'm not, that's not for me. So that person, and I think that that's where, even in one-on-one -on -one personal relationships, whether it's friendships, family, you know, uh, spousal, whatever, if one person is doing this work and one person is into the transformation world and they're, they're doing all of this and the other person isn't or is against it, it is really difficult to make as big a strides as you want to make because you're constantly sort of feeling held back by that, that person, or you make those strides and then that person becomes more and more resentful. So it's like, right. you got to get on the same train, you know, like yeah. in some way or shape possible, hopefully that's the way the relationships can be. But you know, if you're making big changes, everybody's got to accept it. Yeah. And you know, I love this last, this paragraph, almost the last page. It's, um, 
where he says, we have to be what we are, so we don't have to present a false image. If you love me the way I am, okay, take me. And if you love, and if you don't love me the way I am, okay, bye bye. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it may sound harsh, but this kind of communication means the personal agreements we make with our with others are clear and impeccable. Yes. Yep. And this, I mean, I can't tell you. I've been I've been married a long time and long enough. We'll be married fifteen years in October, and we've been together for three years before that. Um, and there are still times when I have to really get clear with myself and ask questions about her communication or my, you know, what's going on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because you can make assumptions. It's easy to make assumptions. Oh yeah. And then, and because of myself and wherever you err, some of us err on, you know, like my always go to my, my, I go to that old unworthiness self-esteem like she must not want to be with me or there's something she's not attracted to me anymore or there's something like i'll make up a story like that in a heartbeat yeah yeah now i don't because now my muscle is really big around whoa hold up and i'm not willing to go there anymore yeah there's just a there's a path that eventually once we get it identified we have to be not be willing to indulge in it right we've talked about that a lot in this work yeah. like once I know, now I know that my track is to go to the unworthiness track I don't I'm not willing yeah. <laughs> anymore to go there I'm just not willing mm-hmm. today I'm not saying tomorrow I won't be I, I, I want to just say that because you know shit happens exactly I could get myself all shirted up and do something silly like that and next thing you know I'll head down that unworthiness train but right now I'm pretty solid in I just don't go there right I don't go down that path Mm -mm. so if I'm interpreting that I need to check it out hell yeah I need to ask ask questions I need to find out what's really going on don't make assumptions about what's happening it's it's this is the time and especially in those important relationships and the most important relationship that you have is with yourself so you've got to be asking those questions of yourself as well where is this coming from why am i feeling this way why did i assume you know why am i choosing to make this assumption versus even just another one you know like what is what is the point of this and then once you're able to do that and you can do that with your partners and your you know your close relationship you're just it's just so much life is so much easier when you just don't take the time to stew in assumptions. Yeah. Well, and what I love about the next to last page online, it says, uh, without making assumptions, your word becomes impeccable. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we're back to the first agreement, yeah. being impeccable with your words. Because really, if you're making assumptions, you're not being impeccable with your word if you're giving voice, if you're giving your, your word to the assumption, right. and you're speaking that out loud to people, and you're talking about an assumption, you're not being impeccable with your words because you're talking about stuff you don't know any. You know you don't really know is the truth. Right. Amen. Amen. When we can be give up making that assumption and ask questions, then we can we're right back to being impeccable with our word, which we all all know just makes everything clean. Mm-hmm. And we're not taking anything personally. <laughs> so it's right. how it all right. rolls in together. Oh, no. All Powerful. right. Well, this was a little bit extra long, but it was a big chapter, and I think... Yeah, we kind of went sideways and backwards, we in and out of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know... That's how we roll. That's how we roll. <laughs> so, uh, we are... We'll be back again uh, next week, where we'll go through the fourth agreement, Always Do Your Best. Uh, again, I'm sure I'm going to say next week, this was the most important chapter, but... Um, <laughs> I hope you guys are reading along with us. Join us in the Facebook group. 
to talk about this week's topic and what that means and assumptions. And hey, don't forget, I'm live every every Thursday at 11 yep. Central. I'm See? live. And okay. so far, I've only had like a couple people coming to join me. Um, want to thank those of you. Uh, so Charlene Williams has been there every, 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 every week. So shout out to Charlene. Yay. Thank you for being there every week. And uh, But if you want to come in, you can always pop a question in there. I'm happy to speak to or answer or um, and I'm usually trying to vibe with what we're talking about. You know, it is basketball season, so I'm pretty excited. Excited. <laughs> you got a little March. KU in there. Just <laughs> a little KU. Um, but yeah, join me at 11 o'clock uh, Central Time for Facebook Live. Uh, please tell your friends. Go leave us a review if you haven't. Um, and we love you. Yep. See you. Bye. Okay. See you next week. Thank you so much for joining us again this week on Doing the Work with Jay and Becca. We appreciate you so much, and we invite you to join us at Doing the Work with Jay and Becca on Facebook. Uh, We have a great discussion group there going, or visit us at jayandbecca.com for show notes. We have uh, pullouts of links to the books and the things that we talk about. And as always, we are here for you and we want to be part of your weekly self-care. So thank you so much for listening. Stay connected and most importantly, be kind to you. Hell yeah. Thank you so much, Jay, and we'll see you next week. See you next week.